The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. A leper came to Jesus and kneeling down begged him and said, If you wish, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, touched him, and said to him, I do will it, be made clean. The leprosy left him immediately, and he was made clean. Then, warning him sternly, he dismissed him at once. He said to him, See that you tell no one anything, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses prescribed. That will be proof for them. The man went away and began to publicize the whole matter. He spread the report abroad so that it was impossible for Jesus to enter a town openly. He remained outside in deserted places, and people kept coming to him from everywhere. The Gospel of the Lord. People sometimes ask me for advice on how to pray. Perhaps people have put the same question to you. It is quite a question. It sets you back on your heels, right? But before you or I get into um, talking about how to pray, I always like to review with, with people who ask me this question, what prayer is. You know, start with the what instead of jumping right to the how. And prayer is a conversation with God. That is the most basic that definition that, that I've seen. Prayer can be, of course, vocal prayer. It can be meditating on the Word of God, or like the Liturgy of the Hours, for example. The bishop who ordained me, Bishop Burbage, he used to, every day when he would pray the office or Liturgy of the Hours, as it's known, he would find a phrase or a word and write it down and make that his theme for the whole day. And then, then there's silence and contemplation. Those of you who like to pop in for a short or a long visit here, here in church, you're just abiding with Jesus in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament, or something more formal like adoration. And of course, devotions, petitions, but even something as more visible like pilgrimages are also prayer and penance. And my last point came to me as I was reflecting on the gospel and thinking about the leper who really, in a way, makes a pilgrimage to Jesus. He comes to the Lord in prayer and in faith, St. Mark tells us that a leper came to Jesus and kneeling down begged him and said, if you wish, you can make me clean. Now, I've said this before, maybe you've heard me talk about this. Jesus can cure the sick without touching them. He does this a couple different times in the gospel, but usually, as in this case, there, there's physical touch involved. You know, Jesus stretches out his hand, he touches a man that Jewish law considers untouchable and makes him clean. Yes, Lepers were considered untouchable. In the first reading, we hear the Lord tell Moses and Aaron, If a man is leprous, the priest shall declare him unclean. The leper shall cry out, Unclean, unclean. He shall dwell apart, making his abode outside the camp. So yes, the leper makes a pilgrimage. I'm traveling however far in, in miles. But he also makes a pilgrimage from, from exile to Jesus from outside the camp to inside the Lord's embrace, from shame to compassion. Yes, shame, because the tendency back then, Jews believed that disease and misfortune, poverty, whatnot, were all signs of punishment for sin. But Jesus is different. Jesus is the new Torah in the flesh. He doesn't dispose of the old law, but he fulfills the old law. And this is why Jesus... He doesn't disregard the law. He tells the 
the man he's just cured, go and show yourself to the priest. Go and follow the old law that I just fulfilled, or that Jesus is fulfilling. And why does Jesus warn the man to not tell anyone? Again and again, I mean, if the good news is good, why does Jesus want this man to talk about it? Well, because he wants this man and others who may have seen this miracle to pay attention to the Lord's proclamation of the kingdom of God. Because as special as this miracle is, the proclamation of the kingdom is that much more important. Because Jesus is no magician. He doesn't cure the leper in order to get the man to believe in him. It's not a hook. Jesus is not a, he's not a performer. Now, the leper already believes. He's journeyed, he kneels, he prays. If you will it, you can make me clean. Now, this is really a, a, like, like a mini Lord's Prayer that this man is praying before the Lord taught his own men how to pray. Thy will be done, if you will it, not mine. Jesus cures the leper to give glory to his father. He sets a pattern for someone like St. Paul to follow. Paul, who tells his Corinthian people, whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Again, back to the Jewish culture at the time, Jews believed that disease, misfortune, poverty were the result of sin, signs of God's disfavor. But Jesus, he blows that up. I mean, Jesus willingly embraces poverty. He is conspired against. He experiences misfortune and suffering. He bears our diseases. And he does all this as the sinless Son of God. And he offers himself ultimately on the cross for us to defeat, defeat the power of evil and sin that, that can keep us out of heaven. We go back to the original question. You know, somebody might ask us or we ask ourselves, how do I pray? Lord, how do I pray? Well, what, the, what Jesus does to us, what he says to us in our hearts is, come to me. Come to me. Like the leper, we come to Jesus and we kneel before him. We come as we are, the sinners that we are, the broken vessels that we are, the wounded people that we are. But the Lord, he doesn't identify us with our sins. He doesn't identify the leper as a leper. He, he reaches through that, that disease and, and touches the man. He doesn't identify us with our sins, with what we've done, because he knows his mercy is greater than that. We may come from the exile of sin to Jesus in the sacrament of reconciliation. We, we may come from, from shame, being tired of identifying ourselves with sins and, and want something else. But how do, we, how do we prepare for confession? How do we pray for, for this special sacrament of healing? Do we pray outside the confessional and inside the confessional? How do we prepare? Well, I recommend that we make the, the leper's prayer our prayer. Lord, if you will it, you can make me clean. Of course the Lord wills us to be, to be cleansed, but he doesn't force us to repent, so he wants our hearts. As I said, Jesus has already died for our sins. So trust him, trust Jesus, who, who died for your sins, to free you from their grip, to leave shame behind. Of course, we must never presume on God's mercy, nor must we doubt God's mercy. The healing Jesus offers us in the sacrament of reconciliation and the anointing of the sick is a gift. It's not something we can earn or to which we are entitled, of course. In seminary, I remember learning this important principle, and it was a big deal at the Second Vatican Council as well, this idea, lex orandi, lex credendi. It's Latin for uh, the law of prayer is the law of belief. What it means, basically, is 
the way we pray demonstrates what we actually believe. And that, that's what the church was praying about at the council in, in reforming the liturgy. And the way we pray demonstrates what we actually believe. So if we enter, if we enter a confessional and we find ourselves maybe confessing sins repeatedly, like if we've already confessed it and we go back a second or third time, what, what does that show? How are, we, how are we praying? How are we seeing ourselves? It might be a lack of trust in Jesus. We might be more focused on our scruples than on the love and mercy of God. And being scrupulous is not being holy. They are different. The leper, again, the leper doesn't kneel down before Jesus twice to make sure he's he's healed. No, he believes him. He gets up and he goes. He trusts him. Or if, on the other extreme, if we avoid confession out of pride and we say, oh, my sins are too many, if I come back to church now, I'll feel like a hypocrite. I'm going to get myself cleaned up first. No, you know, Jesus does the, does the cleansing, but we have to come forward like the leper did. The liturgy of the church is a gift from Jesus to us, his bride. Do, do we accept it gratefully or do we accept it reluctantly? An example, some priests, not many, but some priests and even some lay people believe that people the sick can only receive the anointing of the sick once. They'll talk about extreme unction or only use the term the last rites. I don't like those expressions. They're not accurate. I don't, like when I go to Rex, I don't know if, if the anointing I'm doing is the person's last one because I don't know when the person's going to die. So it's, they're sacraments of healing. We don't hold back like cheaply with the sacraments as if we're afraid God's going to run out of his grace. And more practically, the church reformed the sacrament of the anointing of the sick 52 years ago. So if that used to happen, if priests used to hold back, we don't, we're not supposed to do that anymore, and, and I don't. And I want to encourage you to speak up. If you or your loved ones need healing, like the leper, come forward. Encourage each other to come forward to, to receive the sacraments that the church wants to provide to you. Another example... A man at another parish uh, once gave me a book. Usually a gift of a book would be uh, satisfying. But the problem is the thesis of the book he gave me is that the Novus Ordo Mass is an act of narcissism. He said, here, Father, here's this book, and I turned it over, and I've seen enough of this kind of material. I, I knew what, what he was doing, and it hurt. Uh, it took a lot of nerve on his part, um, but it didn't really surprise me that much either. Now, that, that kind of... Um, critical, like viewing the Mass as something to be evaluated, that kind of ingratitude prevents real prayer. And I just, I felt for him, and I, he came back later and asked me, did you read it? And I said, no. We don't want to be petty people. We want to be children of God. We want to have holy hearts, but also light hearts, and, and, not, and, not, and not despair or get discouraged. If, you, if only... We don't want to become discouraged and say to ourselves and, and say to Jesus, if only your church will do what I want, then I will trust you. you know, we don't approach Jesus as a form of transaction. I could go on with other examples, just a couple more. Um, on the other extreme, people who insist on the possibility of women priests, even though it's impossible. People who get us, who get on our backs as priests saying, oh, you know, Father, you priests should be able to marry. Just like, stop it. <laughs> you know, I'm happy with my vocation the way it is. And 
It's, it's not a bad question, but it is the wrong question. And I've said to people, it's not a question, do we need married clergy? It's do we need more of them? Because we have, we have a few you know, people who have come over from typically the Episcopal or the Anglican world, but it's, it's rude. And I don't go up to single people and say, you know, when are you going to find somebody? It's, I, that, would be, that, would, that would be strange. Um, um, an, another example, a controversial bishop, actually the, the same man who wrote the book that I was given as a gift. Yes, a controversial bishop in Europe has published his own version of the catechism. This bothered me when I read about it. He, and it's confusing because like 32 years ago, a saint, Pope John Paul II, published the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and it's still in effect, and we don't need a second or a third one. Um, so just, just be careful. And I'm not talking about anybody here or this parish, but just Jesus wants us with him in the center, not pulled off in the exotic extremes and being, being upset. Um, as we prepare to begin Lent, we have choices to make. Do we kneel before Jesus and say, Thy will be done or my will be done? Do we forget that the church belongs to Christ or assume it belongs to people? Do we come to Jesus and insist that the Lord take our side in controversies or, or do we really trust him? And think of the people, think of St. Bernadette Subaru, the trust she put in the Lord to keep you know, listening to the Blessed Mother and then the sick who came and are still coming to that special shrine, trusting all, leaving their crutches behind leaving their illnesses and their, and their discouragement behind. There have always been problems. <laughs> Our church is the family of God. You're not going to find a family without some problems. The church is the family of God but, and, and the bride of Christ, so Jesus is in charge. As we approach this special season of Lent, my favorite season, it's, aust- it's austerity, it's simplicity, leave controversies behind, leave, leave things that are kind of a, making you upset behind. Focus on Christ and put your hearts, put your hurts, put your frustrations with people in the church, put all of it on the altar. Unite everything that's, that you're happy about, unite everything that you're sad about with, with the sacrifice of the Mass, with Jesus in the Eucharist. Amen. With complete trust in Jesus who longs to heal us, we bring forward these, our petitions. That through the church's faithful announcement of the gospel, God's word may bear abundant fruit in our lives. We pray to the Lord. That civil leaders will work to address poverty, injustice, and the causes of violent conflict in the world. We pray to the Lord. On this world day of the sick, that those who are sick, especially the chronically ill, may know healing, friendship, and strength. We pray to the Lord. For an increase of vocations to the priesthood and the consecrated life, particularly for our parish and our diocese, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our parish community, that we may constantly keep Jesus at the center of our lives, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For members of the military, that God will keep them safe during this uncertain time, we pray to the Lord. Today's Mass is being offered for all the sick of the Feast of Our Lady of Lords. We pray to the Lord. Lord For those who are sick or infirmed and for their caregivers, that God in his mercy will draw close to them and raise them up. We pray to the Lord. Lord For 
for the repose of the souls of all the faithful departed, that through our prayers and those of the Blessed Mother, that they may join the saints in heaven. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. Let perpetual light shine upon them. May their souls and all the souls of all the faithful departed. God, rest in peace. Also for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and our Bishop Sarama, for them we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Most merciful Father, you come close to us in our every affliction and bless us with new life. May we always remain true to the graces we have received through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.